Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. Today's episode is brought to you by Wise, the account that helps you manage your money around the world, which is huge for travelers. I've been a customer and a fan for 10 years. The Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, and they do it all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. This service has been so critical for me in my life as a traveler, as a nomad, as somebody living abroad, and you can join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account can help you out on the road at wise.com slash travel. That's wise, W-I-S-E dot com slash travel, or download the app. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Today's show, a little reminder about the surprising places that travel can take you. And I'm not talking about the destinations you visit. I'll share some thoughts on that in a moment. Plus, you're going to listen in on a conversation I had with an amazing woman who has not only designed her life around travel, but taken the impact that travel had on her and her family. And instead of just kind of coming home and moving on with their lives, her and her husband decided to think bigger and figure out, hey, how can we solve some of these problems that we've seen on the ground as travelers? And how can we do it in the right way? And tackling some of the world's biggest problems is no small feat. So I was really fascinated to dig in on not only how she's doing that, but the methodology and the thought process behind it and what other aspects related to travel allowed her to do some of the things that she's done, travel and otherwise. I'm talking about things like learning how to connect with your intuition and make sure you are able to listen to that as a traveler, somebody that's maybe living a more unconventional life that's more unpredictable. These things are hugely important. They take a lot of stress off of the unpredictability around the travel-based lifestyle. We talk about letting go, how that has played into some of her decisions. And of course, all of this, you can relate back to yourself and your own experience. We got a lot of new perspectives and different ideas in this episode. I know you're going to dig it. Got all that, that I just talked about and much more. And guess what? It's happening right now, my friend. We're dropping it into your ears. Here we go. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. Now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. As you heard at the top, we've got... A special show coming your way today, and I hope you enjoyed as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. I love recording these shows for you, and I love hearing from you as well. So if you're new to this whole 
podcast community. Welcome to the Easier to Travel Caravan, my friend. And if you've been listening for a while, welcome back. Thanks for being here. You can, of course, get in touch anytime. Jason at ZeroToTravel.com is my email. No secret, I love to hear from all of you out there, hear what you're up to. So I'm going to give a shout out to one of you, as I often do at the end of the show. So stick around after the interview. Got a special shout out coming to one of you out there in the community. And I should let you know, we finally launched the new Zero to Travel website. And over there, we're giving away a little exclusive audio file I just created last week called The Three Best Ways to Save Money for Travel. So if you want to pick that up, you can just head over to zerototravel.com. If you haven't signed up, you're going to get that. And if you're already on the email list, I'll be sending that out to you. So no worries there. And check out the new site. Let me know what you think and drop me a line anytime. Got plenty more resources coming your way. We just published an international travel checklist. So if you got a trip coming up, There's a free resource there for you to help you do all your pre-trip planning. Just tons of stuff going there all the time. So if you haven't signed up, I always give you that exclusive content and the fresh content on the website. I just send it out to you on email with a little letter, a little personal letter and uh, some helpful links around travel. So you can always sign up for the email uh, community there. It's totally free and we would love to welcome you there with open arms. And I'm so excited for this show because of all the reasons I mentioned at the top, And I also had that question I posed at the top of the show, the thing that travel can do for you, the places it can take you beyond the destinations you visit. And my guest today is a perfect example of that. And I have my own personal example of that just to kind of illustrate that point. I'll share that with you in a moment. First, I just want to quickly thank Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. You know, you travel, you need luggage, you need Uh, maybe a duffel bag, a backpack, packing cubes, all that stuff. Guess what? Tortuga has the goods for you. And these are the products that I use. This is the backpack company. That's my go-to. And you can see all of the gear that I recommend from them. If you just go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. And if you want to pick anything up, you get 10% off for being a listener to this show just by typing in the promo code travel. So if you just write in the word travel, when you check out, you're going to get 10% off anything you order over there. And again, this is the stuff I, I mean, use my Tortuga backpacks every day. I'm looking at my Outbreaker day pack right now. I had it on a little earlier. I was using the set out earlier before that. The last time I took a backpacking trip, I used my Outbreaker. I, I use all these things. I have like a heavy rotation of Tortuga backpacks going for a reason because they're well organized. They got an incredible pocketing system. I could go on and on, but the thing is when you're a traveler, you kind of know what you like and they, they just figured out how to put all those things in one backpack. So don't waste your time doing a bunch of research. If you're looking for a travel gift for a loved one or you just want to get something for yourself, zerototravel.com slash Tortuga. Promo code TRAVEL, uh, just the word TRAVEL when you check out, gets you 10% off anything you order over there. And that is an affiliate link and code. So I get credit at no extra cost to you. If you decide to pick anything up over there, you're also going to be supporting this podcast and supporting my work. So I really appreciate that. And you're also going to get some incredible travel gear. So thanks to them, longtime supporters of this show, love their stuff and uh, hope you, I know you will enjoy it as well. Now, let's get into this question about travel and the unexpected places, the shocking places sometimes it will take you. And These are the unpredictable paths that appear after you make the decision to travel. I was just writing about this earlier today uh, in something that I'm working on for you, an exciting little project, a 
mentioned earlier this summer that I'm only publishing podcasts every other week now because I'm working on some writing projects. And this is something I was talking about today. I kind of revisited my journey and I thought back to my first decision to travel and how much that impacted my life. I, mean, I can't even imagine my life without making that one simple decision to take this trip to Europe, to put the backpack on, to do the solo, the traditional sort of post-grad solo backpacking trip through Europe. I mean, if I didn't really commit, truly commit to doing that, my life could look completely different. And when I say unexpected places, I live in Norway now, uh, married to a Norwegian that I met in Brazil. There has been a million and one examples of things in my life that have happened just because of the simple decision to travel. And of course, that's true with any decision that you make, right? If you go a different path, you're going to have different people that you meet and different things that happen. But the thing about choosing travel is if you know it's something you love right now, you know it's something that's in your blood, it's in your heart, something you want to do, you're effectively saying, hey, I'm important. My dreams are important. I'm going to go after this thing. I'm going to do this travel thing because I know this is going to fulfill my soul. It's going to feed my soul. And because of that, you have more joy, more fulfillment in life, and you open up a whole world of possibility that's in line with you know who you are and the thing that you're interested in most, which is exploring the world, seeing the world, being curious, connecting with people, learning about this crazy rock, this crazy diverse rock that we live on, and all of these things. And by choosing travel, you're choosing yourself, you're choosing your own dreams, and you're also opening up a lot of hidden pathways related to something that you love. And I think that's a much better way to go if you're considering it than kind of opening up hidden pathways on a track that maybe you're not so keen on. So say you're working in a job or you're doing something or you're going down a path that you don't really enjoy. Well, there's hidden pathways on every path, right? You might as well go down the path that is fulfilling and let those hidden pathways open up related to a path you're already excited to be on is what I'm trying to get at. So anyway, travel when you choose it or whatever you choose will always take you to unexpected places beyond just the destinations that you visit. It can take you to unexpected places in life, really exciting places. And that's certainly true of my guest because I'm sure... I can't speak for her, but after listening to the interview, I'm sure that you will agree her life would be completely different if she hadn't chose travel. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. I'm just going to turn it over right now and let you listen in on it. Stick around. I'll see you on the other side because I've got a quote for you. I've got a shout out to one of you amazing souls out there in the listening community. And I hope you stick around for that. So I'll see you there on the other side of this chat. Please enjoy the interview. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing today? Good. So are you in France or Rochester? Oh, <laughs> France. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I saw some old stones and I'm like, you know what? I don't think they're in the Rochester place no, right now. No. <laughs> well, I'm... Towards the tail end of your book, so I haven't gotten to the very end, so I don't know what happened there, so don't spoil it for me. But <laughs> Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. It's a yeah. pleasure. Do you live 
in Provence now full time? Is that where you're based? Yes, we're based here. We um, we came over here in 2001 and raised our two, what are now oldest here, um, for six or seven years, and then went back to the states. Did a lot of traveling to build the foundation uh, that uh, I co-founded, and then now, yeah, we're back. It's it's home. It's home. That's great. And we're going to talk about that today. And I am recording right now, Lydia. I hope that's okay. I'm chatting with yep. uh, Lydia Dean, author of Jumping the Picket Fence. It's a beautifully written travel memoir. It's really a lot more than a travel memoir. And I'm right, right at the tail end of it. And it's really a wonderful book, Lydia. You've, you've not only bared your soul, but really put some great ideas in there and got me thinking about it sounds cliche, but how can I better serve the world? This is the kind of book that uh, makes you ask those questions of yourself. You're also the founder of Go Philanthropic Travel and co-founder of Go Philanthropic Foundation, which we're going to talk about today. So anyway, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again for having me. All right. So you grew up in Rochester, I um, was actually born and raised in Canada. Uh, my whole family and parents are from England. Uh, they came over on, on a boat with 50 bucks in their pocket and a, and a dream to, to build a life with more opportunity than they had uh, where they came from. So I uh, was raised in Canada and then moved to the States when I was in my sort of, you know, early adolescence. Um, so, yeah, have um, have three passports. So I hate that question, where are you from? Because... I feel a connection to both my roots in, in Europe, um, to Canada, where I was had my early days, and then to, to the U.S., where I spent a lot of my life. Okay, yeah, it's always a tough one when you're traveling around. Like, where are you from? Well, I don't know. It seems like that was a pretty straightforward question to answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. but, <laughs> um, you married your high school sweetheart, right? I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always an amazing thing to me. I'm like, that's so cool. Like true love. I mean, it's not always easy, I'm sure. Like marriages take take work. And I know from reading the book, I mean, there were moments where you guys have your had your challenges like anybody else. It seemed like one of those big moments for you guys that kind of kicked off a lot of the things that you're doing right now is is when you were in Orlando and you were kind of set up there running a business, living the uh, American dream, as we'll use in air quotes here, which is, I'm guessing, what inspired a bit of the title of your of your book. Can you just talk a little bit about that time to kind of give everybody a sense of where you guys were? And I think this is really relatable because I know that people listening to this, that anybody that has that burning desire to travel for whatever reason when you start questioning like the things you're doing that might be preventing you from doing that, it is a, certainly a process. And it's always nice to hear from somebody who's been through that themselves and get those perspectives. So, well, yeah, that's a, that's a big question. And I think a really important one. And I agree. Um, uh, I think it's relatable because so many of us have this desire to, you know, maybe, maybe travel is, is where it's at, but I, but I think that travel is the, the metaphor for the deeper journey that, that we go through when we travel. So travel may come up because we need this, we need the space, we need the context to, to learn about ourselves and the world. So, yeah, I mean, for me, um, we were in our early or late twenties and, yeah, we're, we're, we're in such a great spot. You know, we, we had been 
society teaches us to aspire to that stability that we had found maybe a little bit earlier in life because we were high school sweethearts. And, you know, so we got, we got set up a bit earlier, had kids, you know, about four years before some of our friends did. So we got started earlier. And, and so we found this, you know, great sense of structure, security, you know, what should have felt like comfort, but didn't, it felt, it felt like anything but comfort. And as though we had arrived somewhere, but, or personally, uh, I'll speak for my husband, but that we were missing out on, on, on something else. And um, it, yeah, it was just a terrible feeling, a, a, a double feeling of guilt for not appreciating all of what we had. And also knowing that there was a lot to learn out there. And I knew that the world was going to be my teacher. I just knew that that I had to go. And there was so this, this, this sad feeling of, I, I have to go hell or high water. There's something out there. And it's a response to that call. And perhaps we can all relate to, and maybe this is what you're talking about when, when you talk about people who, who also have that, you know, drive to travel. There's a knocking at the door for something in all of us. We, we all get it right. That voice that, that says, you know, I think there's something out there for you on the other side of this fence. And the next thing that kicks in is a dialogue of all the reasons why we shouldn't can't the stuff that prevents us from doing it. And um, so I had that banter for a long time to the point where you have the big argument with yourself, with your husband, with, with whatever your world, you know, and you can't, take another step, but to walk forward in a way that you know is true to yourself. What is that thing that initiates that conversation? Where does that come from? For me, unfortunately, it was because I pushed it down so much that it was like seeping out through the cracks. (laughs) You know, I don't think it needs to be that way. I think that, and I've seen in just, um, raising kids in a different way, hopefully in a way that doesn't force that to to, to happen is that, you know, when you ignore that, when you push that voice away day in and day out, it's going to keep pushing and it's going to, it's, it's going to force you to hit a wall. Um, and then you need to respond to that. So, you know, for me, I gave in, I gave in to that strong push. There's something you need to do out in that world and you've just got to go do it, do it. And you have to push through those fears, whatever they are. And, and I finally did. Well, this has been one of the threads I've noticed in the book is that these ideas or these feelings of the next thing, like what is the next thing I'm supposed to do is coming from somewhere. And I'm just wondering for you, what, what do you believe that is? Do you think it's intuition? Is it spiritually related? Is it fate? Is it some inner calling that you're supposed to realize and uh, you know like you're the antenna trying to pick these things up and figure it out and I'm I'm only asking this because I this confuses my, I'm confusing myself you know in these situations because I'm actually at that, a point like that right now in some ways where I'm starting to think there's some next thing and I don't know what it is and I know it's there and I know you can relate to this from reading your book I know people listening to this know what we're talking about here too it's hard what is that you are asking some tough questions right off the it's bat. It's my job. It's my job. <laughs> uh, are you getting to the heart, um, heart of what I believe matters? You're getting, you know, right to it. And so I think it's all of what you said. I think that 
there's an inner voice which then translates and 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 comes up through us through intuition but but where does it come through where does it come from is it ours is it is it spirit is it you know what 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 is it um we have a lot of words for what that can be um I think that there's a universal something out there that's greater than us and that it's good. It's inherently good. And that when we listen to it, we are driven to be our best. We're put on a path to be our best. We are asked to be our best. And then we are asked to share that best. I've seen it too too many times in my own life, in the lives around me, in historical reading, in reading about indigenous histories and their knowledge. It's it's about life being a context for um, being the best, offering the best selves that that we have, and that inner voice, that intuition, is just our constant nudge and push towards being that. Um, I think religion is a way um, to, to guide us as well, or it, it has been one avenue to for, for us to, to to be our best when we use it in 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 the right way and not as a you know as a separator between people. So everything that you said, I think, is it in a different uh, package or phrase. There's this fear of not being able to fulfill that. That is something that can weigh on a lot of people because, I mean, I think a lot of the fears that we have can be, when, when we look at them, they can be really surface level, right? What are we going to do about, what are we going to do about insurance for our kids and all this stuff? Well, that's an important question, but look, you guys took off. Other people have figured it out. There are certain challenges with those types of things, of course, and certain things to work through. But the fear of not fulfilling your potential is petrifying to me. Okay, is that like a type A personality thing? Or no. is that... All right, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I mean, I don't think so. I think that we often feel that we fear failure. I think it's actually quite the opposite. I think we fear how great we can be. Have you heard of Marianne Williamson? She's a wonderful speaker, philosopher, writer. She talks about how... Um, how we fear the light in us. We fear being that great. It's, it's, I, I, the responsibility I think of it maybe. And some of the things that might come with that or just having to live up to that. We have to let go of all of our fears to be our great, right? We have to believe yeah. that we have to believe in something greater and we have to believe that, we can achieve that and be that. And in order to do that, I think we all know that we have to give up some shit and some baggage to do that. And I don't think any of us really want to, you know, so it's not, it's not fear of failure. It's fear of what we need to give up, what we need to shed, what we need to believe in, in order to, to, to follow that light. So when I read that, it took me a while to really like ingest it because yeah, it's easier to say, well, I, I feel that I'm not going to be enough. And I initially, I even write about that in the book that, oh my God, I'm not going to be enough. I'm not going to be able to give enough. I, I'm not strong enough. Okay, like flip that on its head. Imagine that you are. You are good enough. You are strong enough. You are capable enough. Okay, if you knew that today, what changes would you make in your life? 
um, what changes would you be forced to make in your life to actually to be that? It it might mean that you got to step up to that. And so (laughs) that's kind of scary, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's... um what you just said is a very empowering lens through which you can start approaching things and thinking about things. And I always love, all right, here's an idea. But now if I put everything through this one idea or this one thought process, this is completely shifting my perspective on these various things that are going on in my life. There is this process of, okay, you mentioned like, we'll just say inner light or whatever you want to call it. This, this guiding force, this thing that seems to be, you feel that steering you towards something that's going to be different for everybody, of course, but you have not yet arrived to what that may thing is, or maybe you have, and now you're going to the next thing and you don't know what that is. And then you have to balance that with the practicalities, right? Because you have the, the thinking mind things, right? You have intuition, but then you also, well, you got to have some ideas. And if you're going to start like a company, you got to come up with the brand names and brainstorm, like all this is sort of intertwined, but also not in some way, right? These things kind of coexist. Well, yeah, call it like the monkey brain, right? I mean, for, for folks who are getting into meditation, there's a lot of talk about monkey brain because it's like it's that constant chatter that um, gets in the way of us and I think doing what, what we need to do. But I, I think people get really, really hung up and we almost did too in the very early stages. I mean, I look at the early stages, like what was, you know, people often ask, what was the first step? I mean, you know, 18 years ago, there wasn't a, a Go Philanthropic Foundation or um, or a, a travel company where people could get upfront with some of the world's ugliest issues and and meet inspiring change makers, and really understand how they can plug in and make a difference. There wasn't all of that. That there was a confused me who was um, a working mother who had a gut feeling that there was more in life to learn. That's all I had, right? And so how how did I get? And I was super unhappy. So how did I get from that to, to, to what we have built now with fabulous people together? And it was, it was not one right step. It was a step, any step. Like for us, it was a big fat argument over, you know, my husband saying, well, you're just going to give up this great life that we built for ourselves and our security. Like what, where are we going? What are we going to? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know, but I just know that there's something more meaningful to do with with our time and with our, our ourselves. And just trust me, that's all I know. And he said, fine, well, you know, come up with, you know, a next step, right? You with the big ideas. And so I was like, well, let's let's just go away for a few weeks to clear our head. And, you know, we, we took the business with us because we had a family and had bills to pay like most people and, and, and brought the business with us and um, took that time out in na- it was Costa Rica's beautiful nature um, and, and a time out, the, the combination of nature and silence and being away that allowed us at least that moment to breathe and to say, okay, what are we talking about here? What do we want for ourselves? What risk are we willing to take? What is there to do out there? And we, so it was a first step that then led to us as a family moving to France and leaving that, you know, that, that life of security and building a new one that didn't have, you know, um, a financial plan with it and, 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 and was a bit crazy at the time. So it's, I call it the crumb path because 
you, you think you need to have the five-year strategy. You really don't. You don't have to have it mapped out. You need to take one step. And when you take that one step, you stop and you listen and you'll be led to the next and led to the next. So you just have to be open. You have to have a quiet enough environment to, to hear what the universe is saying to you. And then you need the willingness to take a step. And it doesn't need to be a quote, right step. It just needs to be a step. Yeah, it's much less overwhelming to think about taking a step than it is to think about solving the world's problems, and which is something that you guys are really making a serious impact on with uh, with your organization, which we're going to talk about. But one theme that's coming up in our conversation so far is just this idea of creating space. There are certainly ways to do that without traveling, maybe for travelers we can create our best space when we're on the road. I don't know. That's going to be different for everybody. But how important is it or has it been for you in this whole process that's led you to where you are today to continue to create that space for yourself? Because you mentioned the Costa Rica thing. Um, but it seems like at certain points, you guys found a way to create this space for yourselves as a family or, or you as an individual, uh, which is not an easy thing to do. I mean, in principle, it is, Right. But in reality, there's all the noise, there's all the daily life stuff that just keeps you busy. Well, yeah. And I think it's a challenge that, you know, is still presented to us today. So yes, the answer for that, that next step in the crumb path always came from some sort of protection of space and time and quiet. Um, I look at every step of the way and it, it came from that. Um, so I think that's important. And no, you do not need to get on a plane to have that happen. I don't know if anybody out there has read Paulo Coelho's The Alchemist, but that famous, incredible book um, has been such a guide to me and um, shows that we, we don't need to take the physical journey to go through the inner journey that, that we all need to do. Um, is it one way? Yes, because it physically remo removes you from some of that noise. So, you know, we can say that it's almost the easy way. It's the easy way out because you can get on a path that, that is, um, you know, less noisy. So I think we are today very very challenged in finding that sacred space whatever it is and i i think we all know personally um if we stop to listen to what our mind soul bodies are telling us how to do that it can be that we're you know we're drawn to you know shut our devices down or at a certain time or that it just feels good to like for me it just feels good to read at night you know it i feel like it takes me to just that um a spot in my day where i connect with me again uh, for for lots of people it's it's sports um Another way to look at it is not getting too wound up in the drama that could be happening around us in our families or with our friends or in our workplaces, just saying, you know what, I'm going to zip some of that stuff up so that it stays outside of me. And I'm going to stay in a place where I don't let that in and, and creating some boundaries for ourselves because um, that noise, I don't think we realize how destructive it is to our bodies, but to our souls. And we can't hear what we're supposed to hear when that's going on. So we owe it to ourselves to honor hearing that voice that 
sits on our shoulder and speaks to us every single day. And it's our only job is to listen to it. And when we listen to it, I firmly believe it will guide us to us being who we need to be, which will then put us in a position to share that to some sort of greater good. Yeah. It can be challenging to tune in for sure. I mean, for me anyway. Okay. So I know I am working towards getting more in touch with my intuition, letting that make the decisions for me. But then how do you know when you've arrived at that decision? Thinking mind gets in the way. How do you know, okay, this is the thing. Just because it feels right when you make that decision, thought experiments. See, I have this podcast so I can work through my own issues as well. <laughs> well I, think that's, I think that's great. And I, I think you just said it actually. Like, I think we know when it feels right. I think that's where the monkey brain starts to pop back in and say like, oh no, you know. Um, yeah, you're, 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 you're kidding yourself, you're this. But if we slow down enough, to, to, again, to listen when it feels right, we know it. And we just need to, to give ourselves a little more credit and to trust it. Uh, one of the things you mentioned before that I know people struggle with is exactly that idea of maybe it's shame or maybe it's, I forget the words you said, but it's just feeling bad for not being grateful for the things you already have. Like, right. Well, yeah, guilt. Yeah, just um, yeah. I mean, especially with the whole Western mindset, it's like, well, am I in the trap of just always wanting more, or am I not being grateful enough for what I have? Because I am grateful for what I have, but then it's okay to want more, and in in a certain way, you know what I mean. Like, you give yourself permission for that because, like you said, you want to reach your potential in a way that can serve humanity. And there's all this stuff. It's messy, right? So. For you, throughout like the different stages of your life, how have you managed that that guilt feeling? Something you just push aside as like, hey, that's monkey mind working, or is it something that you struggle with? Oh yeah, I mean, I I struggled with it quite a bit. In fact, I was um, at the point where I'd published the book because I actually published the book four years ago. I decided to self-publish because I had sent it to a bunch a bunch of publishers who said. That the common theme was you've built a foundation, but you came from a point of a place of privilege and your story. Yeah. You know, a working mom had early success, which I did. And um, now you've built a, a foundation that, you know, supports humanity. That kind of seems like, you know, white mom, blonde hair, savior kind of stuff. And that worked against me. So it, it's so interesting how, um, so yeah, I, I did feel guilty at the beginning. I did feel like, you know, I'd been given something that I wasn't appreciating, but it wasn't that I wasn't appreciating it. It was that I felt that it was, something was missing and that missing is that that's not given to, to everybody and that's not fair. And I need to set this aside and head out on a road to better understand why, why isn't this happening for other people? Why can't they just, you know, get in their car and drive to the doctor when, when, when something's wrong with their body? Why doesn't everybody, you know, have an opportunity to, to, to feel recognized in the world? I felt 
I, I needed to set what I had aside. It's not not appreciating it, but in order to find why it was that the world is so imbalanced that way. And so anyway, I was really upset that I felt that I couldn't, there wasn't an opportunity to publish my story because I'd been given something, an opportunity. And I felt, you know, that's not right. So I self-published. And I think it's amazing how pe- people can twist things around. But but also I twisted it around in my own brain that um, I, I carried that guilt for having um, for a very long time. And I just decided to take that big, heavy backpack off and set it on the side of the road and strip down to my simplicity, who I was as a human being, and just walk with that. You know, who cares what, what people think of me and who cares what whether they think that I have more than they do. I am just going to strip down to me yeah. and carry on. Yeah, I mean, so, everybody's going to interpret your story in a different way, right? So why, essentially, why give that power up to them, right? Right, and it's judgment that I think that we all need to watch when when we do that, because I think that that judgment comes up um, daily for all of us and how we look at other people and how we make our decisions and how we gauge um, the importance of what other people are doing. Um, I, I think it's been a big learning in my life to, 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 to never judge based on what someone's life looks like from the outside in. Um, and that's with you know, both wealth and what we see as lack of wealth. Um, so, well, just by reading the book, I can tell that there is a hyper awareness around for you around this idea that philanthropically or voluntourism or whatever you want, whatever it is in regards to like going out and traveling and, you know, helping people in a community. We know or people that have explored that know there, there are various, pros and cons with that and it, and there's right ways to do it and wrong ways to do it and i know you know the hyper awareness around the the privilege you just mentioned and some of the struggles with that my gut tells me that that it, that was a good thing because that led to that awareness in the field which led to you creating the proper structure for an organization that does things the right way i couldn't say that we're doing things the right way i think the whole thing is an evolution um, I guess I mean the minim- from the from the right coming from the right place, I should say. Well, you know, in the early days, so my bright idea after having a really crappy volunteerism um, experience where I went to an orphanage and I taught English for two weeks in India, and I thought this was all going to be a grand experience and really kind of connect me to this inner calling to want to give back to the world. Well, I found out, you know during that trip that it was anything but that, that I was being, you know, it was kind of dumb of me to assume that I would be able to, you know, provide something to these kids who I I, I didn't speak the language. I had no curriculum. I didn't ask the right questions as to where the money from our trip went to. And so I I kind of made some very um, naive assumptions that all of that was going to happen in a great way. And that, you know, I was going to feel great about this time uh, I had spent and the kids were going to, to, to benefit. Well, none of that happened. None of that happened. I, I, I don't know if anything productive happened for me or anybody else 
on that trip. So I thought, okay, well, let's build a structure where, you know, we can actually make sure that programs are provided the support that they need, that there's the transparency there and where we're not actually doing for in environments where we really have no place doing that because we have no, no, no deep understanding of, of the places we're going to or, or the context of their challenges, you know, maybe, maybe it can be learning based. So, and then people can directly give, um, where they want to give based on the priorities of, of that particular program. So I thought it was pretty simple, just connect great people with great programs and let, let the rest sort itself out. And unfortunately it's just not that simple. It's, it's, you know, people, first of all, people don't just need things. They don't need stuff. And, and, and when we think about giving out there in the world, we oftentimes think of water wells and schools and books and uniforms. And are all of those things important? Yes. But there's a whole nother world of, 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 of resources that people need out there. They need to be heard. Their stories need to be heard. They, they need people to understand why they're, that they're in the position that they're in. So we need to understand, you know, what is the starting point here? They have um, knowledge that they'd like access to. They'd like ideas that they can spread that they have to help their their ideas grow. So there's innovation to be had. I mean, it, it was such a newbie, naive look at what is needed. And I, um, I can't judge where where others are at in that journey, because I was in that simple spot where I thought, let's just open up the channel so people can fund water wells and bring books. You know, I just didn't know that there was, um, there was so much more to understand about um, what is needed out there and how we're probably better off sitting and listening and understanding before we do anything. And so that's where, that's where we're at now. Our starting point for any sort of partnership is to sit and listen to, to what they know of themselves and what they need in their own communities. And then we say, well, what, how can we add to your recipe or how can we, you know, how can we contribute in the way that, you know, is good for you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and just to give people some context, do you want to just summarize a bit about what it is that you do and you can give out the websites and everything just so people can follow up. But if you want to just give us the sort of the overview on your organizations. Sure. So as a reaction to this um, crappy tourist trip that I, that I took, so we created Go Philanthropic Travel, which, um, you know, basically weave together this idea of, of travel and bringing people to the doorsteps of, of vetted, uh, wonderful grassroots organizations so that it would provide travel could be, we could leverage travel as a way to get more attention to important work that was being done. Folks are going to these places anyway, but the, the unfortunate thing is that they're coming home not knowing about fabulous, courageous, inspiring people who are, you know, dealing with, with incredible, um, problems. And so it's, 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 it's grand to go and see the temples of Angkor Wat in Cambodia. That's great. But to know that one in five kids, uh, were still in, in the day a few years ago, I don't know what the stats are at today, but one in five were dying from, from a lack of clean water. I mean, there's something wrong with that picture when you look at the number of people that are, are, are going to see the temples, right? So we just thought that, that putting, putting, making that match was enough. So, 
in the end, we ended up doing, um, building a great travel company, but, you know, travel companies are, you know, have a lot of, you know, you, you've got to deal with logistics. It was building a company and, you know, helping each organization was like, you know, there just wasn't enough time for that during the day. So we actually put this social enterprise, this travel company by the wayside in order to build the foundation, in order to really, really take a look at what are some of the key global issues that are happening out there? Who's doing what, where, what community-based programs really seem to have the answers for themselves and have credibility? And what if we provided a platform for global learning so that people could learn about these efforts? And then we'll bring GoFill Go Travel back in to bring people to their doorsteps, not to do four, not to build their classrooms, not to teach English in their classrooms, but to listen to what it is they're doing for themselves. And that has been a fabulous combination. Hmm. So it's, you said a foundation just because I'm not super schooled on the differences. Is it a nonprofit? Is it different than a foundation? Yeah, okay. It's a, it's a US 501c3. We are technically an international grant making organization. We work in seven different countries going on eight. We're in Nepal and India, in um, Laos, Vietnam, um, Cambodia, Guatemala, expanding to, to Mexico um, and in Kenya. So we, the foundation goes out to, to kind of map um, there are a lot of NGOs out there and nonprofits doing incredible work. So, so we kind of look at who's doing what we partner with, with community based organizations. And what that means is the community itself has decided to take action. It's not sort of a typical, um, outsiders coming in to say, this is how you need to do things. These are, are, are people within their own regions that know their history. They know what, what, what is important to them. They know what their priorities are, and they have taken action themselves to make life better. Do they need assistance and partnership to be able to expand the impact of their work? That's where the global community comes in. Um, and that's what we've learned about philanthropy is not that to see the world and, and, and these underserved places as, as poor and, uh, and, and at a deficit. They actually, believe it or not, have a lot of assets and a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom about what it is they need. And they need help kind of putting, putting some of that together and expanding what's already there. So it's a very different way of looking at um, the development world. It's, 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 it's not charity in that, that word is not in our lexicon. <laughs> yeah. That's because of the listening that you're doing, right? Not just giving. And I'll make the metaphor to the, to the book and jumping the picket fence was really about listening. Number one, to, to, to me, to ourselves. What, what if we stop and shut that monkey brain noise down, we'll actually, get some answers, right? So if we, if we transfer that to the quote giving world, um, it's not as though somebody else needs to come in and give you those answers. Nobody gave those answers to me to help me figure out what I need for me. Nobody's going to help you come in and tell you, you need to do A, B, and C, and that's going to fix, you know, fix your life, right? Your answers are within you. They're inside of you. They need to be discovered 
aired out and brought forth and expanded. And it's no different for, for, for the, quote, giving world or the development world or, or philanthropy. It shouldn't be seen as somebody needs to come in and plug the hole. No, it needs to be discovered what's already there, what's beautiful, what, what is already there, what are, what, what are we working with, and, and how can we help people find their strength themselves? The two are the same. The work that we need to do within ourselves and the work that, that is to be done out there in the world is not something that people can do for. It's more, it's, it's a listening. Yeah. One of the parts of your book I, I really loved was when you first went out into the field, when you came up with the idea and you were talking about some of the individuals you met and some of the amazing projects going on on the ground. And that just really brought a lot of things to life for me and having the opportunity to kind of be able to peek in through your eyes and some of these various projects going on that you were brought to from different guides in the countries and things like that. Really cool to hear what these everyday heroes are doing that you never hear about, right? Because we all know what the 24-7 news cycle is all about. It's not about profiling these people for the most part. You want to share some of the current projects that you guys are working on just to give people um, you know, some real-world examples? Yeah. Sure. So, you know, we work with about 40 some different programs around the world. And and again, these are not big internationally run programs. These are um, normally started by um, sometimes people who have been a victim of 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 something themselves. For example, we we work with a woman uh, whose name is Anurata Bosle in, in India, and she was um, a domestic worker slash slave herself as a child. And um, she was given the gift of opportunity early in life. And she then later decided that she was going to push back against child labor in, in, in Kolhapur, where they work, where 35,000 children at one time were considered to be involved in, in child labor. Now, child labor is a, a huge issue in India. So, you know, h- how to help an Anurata Bosle um, continue to to drive change in, in her community and, and stop that from happening in the brick kilns where these kids were working. Um, she knew that she needed to empower the mothers. And, and those mothers were migrant workers who didn't know what their rights were because they weren't recognized by the Indian government as being Indian citizens because they were considered um, in their caste system, which is still very alive and well today in India, as below untouchable, um, Dalit. And so, you know, in order to deal with a huge problem of child labor, knew that she had to, to deal with a problem of, of identity, and she would get out into the villages and um, in the evenings after they had been working, speak about what their rights were as as human beings. And then one thing led to another. And they understood that that um, that perhaps their ch- children shouldn't be working in the kilns and that there was an there was another way and that they had to, to be empowered themselves to make the changes within their own communities. So where does a where does a go philanthropic come into that? Like, h- how can we a, be a partner in that? Well, we we help to give her a tuk tuk which is a little motor car um, with three wheels uh, and a cell phone. And in that way, she was able to broaden her radius that she could get out and speak. You know, little by little, those tools allowed her to have a bigger voice. And that voice was then transferred to people who didn't have a voice, who then 
took control and responsibility over their own lives and filled out their paperwork and and got their national identity cards so that they could take a stand against the injustices that were happening in their own communities and also change the way in which they were raising their children. Um, So it's, it's, it's one example of how complex this is and how we can't come in with any prescribed answers, but we can come in and listen and um, help with a tool or help spread an idea that's already there. That problem you just described, if you're not listening, you're not going to know what that answer is that, okay, well, tuk tuk cell phone, you know, you can't just throw money at that and expect it to get solved. There were like specific needs and a specific thing happening and something that had to happen on a grassroots level for that change uh, to start occurring. So it's really cool that you guys have found a way to kind of just listen and and figure out what's the smartest way to kind of insert ourselves in this or or just help out without, you know, by empowering the community, essentially. Well, it's about people, people, you know, understanding their own power in, in situations where they, they, they might not be in a position to, to, to have it. So it's allowing that, uh, you know, it's allowing that to come forth. And, um, we can't, we can't change what a woman and a family do, um, in their own situation where they feel like they're forced to send their children out into, into labor camps. I mean, that there's a lot of things need to, to happen and change in order for that, um, in order for that movement to take place. How do you feel about where things are now? Like personally, I mean, you've gotten to this point, you've been on, this life journey, which is a involved a lot of different things that we don't probably have time to cover in this interview, but this idea of you know helping to solve the world's problems and being the change uh, from the famous quote, and then you look at the things. All right, human trafficking, child labor, gender equality. There's all these big problems, and it can. I would imagine. I mean, I think for all of us that want to make an impact, it can be a little overwhelming in terms of like, all right, well, how do you, how do you start? What can I do? And especially as travelers, when you see these things firsthand, there are millions and millions of travelers who have traveled the world, seen these things, but then they don't all go and start organizations like you have. It can be an overwhelming feeling. Is it difficult to deal with? Like what kind of advice do you give to travelers that want to kind of make an impact? Um, Knowing that not everybody's going to start an organization like this. Just want to hear your thoughts around this. I think that for so many people, the taking the trip and doing something all in that same trip, they, that, you know, folks really want to have that in the, in the here and now. And I'm, you know, you know, I hear a lot, oh, I'm, you know, the daily grind and I want to do something more meaningful. I, I want to take um, a give back trip. And, you know, after having learned so, so much about the assumptions that we make about other cultures and other places that we feel are in need uh, and and who are in need, my advice, and it's never super well received because I wouldn't want to have heard this when I was antsy and wanting to change the world is, you know, sometimes number one, when we're feeling that way, we actually need to center ourselves and we need to, to, to do some work on ourselves first, because there might be something missing there. So our automatic response is to go out and save the world when actually we might need more balance in our lives. If we want to go out and really make a difference in the world, we're going to be better doing that as a more whole person. But that's not what we tend to do on step one, when we're not feeling so whole and not balanced, not feeling like our life is full of like, this great, you know, you know, what we should be doing and meaning we want to just you know, take that trip and give back. And, ah, you know, 
sometimes it's not the best first step. So my first advice would be ask yourself if you are feeling off balance and if there's something that you might need to give to yourself first um, to be more whole. And then then you can you can give better and from a better place when some of those needs are, are met first, then when you are ready to, to really plug into global issues, uh, the first step is to do a deep dive and, and, and be in a learning classroom, be in a global classroom and connect with people in organizations who have um, done great work in whatever field that is in, be it a, a region of the world or a particular global issue that you're passionate about, learn from people who know more, know more than you and link with organizations where you can be fed um, incredible resources to bring yourself up to speed. At some point, a door is going to crack open for you to walk through and offer what you have that's uniquely yours to that equation. You're not going to know what that is on day one. You just aren't. So um, that, that's my kind of three-step, you know, what I would do. And it's not what people want to hear. They want to they want to hop on a plane. They want to go with a sack of stuff and they want to give it out. Yeah, I think that's great advice. I mean, yes, the step one is is unexpected, I guess, but makes complete sense, of course. I mean, you need to <laughs> kind of get your own ship straight before, uh, you know, and that's not sometimes an easy thing to do. But um, yeah, you don't want to run into the whole like, hey, I want to put this feather in my cap of uh, going and doing this thing. And now I feel like I did something. And now I can go back to my regular life and not feel guilty, you know, <laughs> for the things I haven't done. It's like, exactly. oh, okay. How are your kids doing? They're great. I've got three. Um, the the two that were raised here in France and who we kind of dragged around on this crazy journey early on, uh, 23 and 21 living in LA, both um, living out, you know, their, their passions. One is a recording artist and a photographer filmmaker. And the other one is in school for, for design and is also a, a musician. So um, need to see them dig into to what makes them tick. And we have a third, our daughter, Isabel, who was uh, adopted from China. She's, she's here with us uh, in France. And uh, yeah, so still, st you know, still mom every day and, and feel like that is probably my, my, my biggest job in life and probably the area where I've learned most about myself and, um, our ability to, um, you know, be, be, or inability <laughs> to be patient. And, uh, um, I'm laughing because I have two kids. So I, oh, you uh, too. How old are they? a little over three and 11 months. So <laughs> you're in it. <laughs> patient. I don't know if that's right to Um learn yeah. like you said, inability. I'm learning about my inability <laughs> and trying to increase my abilities, I guess. <laughs> All yeah. the parents like in this conversation can just get a good hearty laugh because you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not perfection, will never be perfection. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you left for France, how old? or Costa Rica, I guess, for the first time. And then France, how, around how old were they at the time you're... Um, one was a, just barely walking. So I think one in, one in three. And then um, when we left for the real big jump across the pond, kind of really left the American life and lifestyle was they were three, three and five. Okay. I'm really curious because I, I live in Norway and I'm American. My wife's Norwegian and I'm in an international 
relationship and I'm not necessarily tied to a certain country to live in. And I just wonder, I mean, everybody's situation is different. Every human being is different, of course. But I'm wondering um, what you saw at looking back now as they're older and settled in, like what you saw at, to this point as some of the advantages and disadvantages of living the kind of lifestyle you have with your kids, like living overseas, moving around a bit, that sort of thing. Mm, great question. Well, two things come to mind right off the bat. And the first is just living abroad as a family. It was neat because even when they were little and they, you know, here you go to school at, you start school at age three, which is really wild from a U.S. perspective because, you know, we don't put our kids, we put our kids into kindergarten and that's for like half day when they're five or six. School school they start? Yeah, like school, learning? School. So oh. yeah, learning the real, you know, the real school day starts at age three and they're in, in the for, you know, the full day. And so anyway, when they, they would go off during the day, um, we put them in local village schools and we would go off on our day. My, my husband was still working and, um, you know, we'd come back at, at night and have dinner together and we would all have so much to share about what went on in our day because it was so, you know, it stretched our brains in, in every single way, language wise. I mean, there was no English spoken where, where we moved to. So we were all, you know, really kind of soaking up and trying to survive <laughs> language wise individually. And then there was just all the different stuff, the food, what we were experiencing, you know, the day, like our conversations around the dinner table with little ones was animated and dynamic. So there's that, and that's gotta be good for, you know, that's just good for, for everybody. Um, cause you all, you all have something to, to offer, um, each other at that point. And then when we traveled further and really did some off the grid kind of exploration, we saw the, the world through the eyes of our kids who didn't see what we saw. Like we saw kind of what we would consider, you know, poor areas, but they didn't. I mean, they didn't see it that way. I mean, those are those are judgments from sort of an adult perspective. They didn't judge people by what, you know, kind of what clothes they were wearing, but instead would be attracted to a group of people because there was laughter or they were playing or there was music or something. I mean, they're drawn to, you know, things for the, the genuine nature of them as opposed to us saying, ooh, I don't know if this is safe, you know, look at, look at how that pack of people look. You know, we don't realize how much that really kind of, um, puts a veil in front of our, our, our perspective. So we learned so much by traveling with our kids, by how differently they saw, um, the world and, and, and in a much purer form. So yeah, those two things come to mind. How do they feel about it? Now, I mean, have you talked to them about their upbringing like recently or what are their thoughts on, on it? Oh, I think they just see the, the they don't see that their home and their their place or their identity is a is a country um, at all. I mean, yes, they they have American passports. They're American, but um, being raised here and having traveled all over the world, I think they just see the the world is is where you know home is, and and that we're all a part of this. And it's it's really it really did break down what I refer to as sort of the superficial barriers that we place between ourselves and other people. And, and by, def, you know, by defining what, you know, what country we come from and what culture we come from. I mean, there's just been so much more room, I think, in their worlds for difference um, and diversity. And, and I, I, I just think that 
we all need. We all need that space for difference and, and alongside feeling like we're part of something together as a humanity. It's a, a neat kind of one, two thing. Yeah. It's cool to hear. And it's funny you said three to five because, um, those were kind of the numbers I was thinking that might be a good time to maybe try something different for a little while. We'll see. But I, any time is, I think I've heard all along the way, oh, we can't because our kids are in high school. Oh, we can't because our kids are young. Oh, we, do you know what? That is all BS. You can, you can, you can, and it's good at any age. Yeah. Kids are so adaptable. I mean, it's uh, we just did a two and a half month trip with them and yeah, they just, they just go with it. Whatever. The jet lag when we got back was not fun. That was awful. Where, but um, where did you guys go? Uh, we were just in Mexico in the states, like visiting family and doing some stuff in Mexico with our community and things. So it was cool. It was a. Uh, it was definitely a lot more work than I'm used to. It's, as a, it's a different kind of work. Yeah. Yes, it is. I loved reading about the adoption. You brought up some things when you wrote about it that uh, as an international adoption, just things that somebody hasn't gone that hasn't gone through probably might not think about. And certainly some of the challenges with that. And, you know, that was another thing uh, uh, that I definitely got the sense of, okay, yeah, that was a big intuitive moment for you. Like this is, we're bringing a new person to my family. It doesn't get any bigger than that, right? (laughs) Bring a new person into your family. I mean, congratulations on, on everything you've done to raise these wonderful kids. And, um, I just think, uh, I, I guess I wanted to get some advice for, people that are considering adopting because I haven't had the opportunity to have somebody on the podcast and, and cover this subject. And it's a pretty deep one, but I know there's probably some people listening that maybe they're considering it now, or maybe it's like something they might consider one day. And I just wanted to, yeah, here's some of your advice. I I think it's a topic that, um, is like you say, very, very complex. Um, and, and, you know, almost warrants its own kind of thing. But what I would say is that if you're considering it, please consider it from all angles, because I, I, I think, again, we came in with kind of a naive understanding of what it could be like from a child's perspective to not only need to deal with the loss of parents, um, mother, namely, because I think that, you know, that that connection is a, is a very unique, unique one. So in the case of our child, you know, she lost her mother, her family, her country. Uh, she was also born with a birth defect that required that we have undergo an uh, below the knee amputation. So she lost um, a part of her body. And this was all below age three. So did we know what was um, going to be required of us as a couple, as a family, as human beings to, to be able to, um, be a support in that loss? No, I don't think we had any idea what that was going to require. And, um, I think adoption is difficult because we underestimate one sense of belonging that comes from being with biological families and being, in a place of your your natural birth and natural home and that's not something that can be easily substituted you substitute you can't just like again you can't just plug that hole and and move on that runs deep your sense of belonging to your family and take take the the china piece out that 
sense of belonging to your family is is everything. And when that is ruptured, I, I think you start life from a from a from a difficult place. And I'm not sure at the point at which we adopted her, we went into the adoption process. I don't think we understood what that meant. And that journey has been both an extremely beautiful one and an extremely difficult one um, because that loss is, is, is great and not, not one that you can fix. As a mother, I want to fix everything, right? We do as parents. We want to fix it, make it right. But that's not one you can do for anybody. I can't bring any of that back for her. Um, and, you know, should she just be grateful for having sort of the everything she has around her which which she is but does it does it does it replace what she's lost so these are these are difficult difficult questions and we're going through adolescence right now so um there's there's that self-identity in there complex um yeah you could never anticipate beautiful. all of the all the things involved thank you for sharing that yeah it's a yeah, it's just a, like i said it's a topic that i haven't gotten to talk to anybody about specifically. So thank you for that. I wanted to get your advice around letting go. You guys have done a lot of that. You've let go of businesses. You've let go of houses that you've put like blood, sweat, and tears into and then sold them. You've let go of old lives. You let go of uh, maybe cultures in some ways. Letting go is a big theme in your life. And I want to know what it means to you to let go and... Just explore that topic a bit. Wow, you you've got such great questions. Thank well, you. I think for, <laughs> yeah, really, really, honestly, such a joy, such a joy to to chat with you. Um, I think we're born, you know, kind of naked, and we're going to die uh, somewhat that way. We don't get to keep the things that we really cling on to in life: our bank accounts and our precious things and, um, our loved ones, we don't, you know, we don't get to bring them with us. It's, it's part of the, part of the experience and part of the, part of this beautiful thing that we call life. So I, I don't know what we're doing by clinging and, and, and having a sense of ownership. I think the more that we strip down, the more that we let go, um, the more that we can experience the beauty of every moment, because I do feel that 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 that, that stuff can be a barrier. You know, our, our our houses and our stresses around houses and money and getting you know getting the things that w- that we want to make us feel more secure takes away from this this inner journey that that we're being asked to to take, and it's it's in that that's going to bring out. Uh, what we need to to leave in this lifetime. So, yeah, let it go, because <laughs> because guys, you know, let it's it a, go, let it go. <laughs> it's a short ride, maybe way shorter than we think. And ask, you know, we have to ask ourselves: Does this does this shit matter? Like, what matters? And um, a sense of you know, a sense of I don't know, peace within ourselves and, and what we're doing with our time and how we're loving and living and laughing, 
you know, that, that's, that's what matters. Uh, and that you can't like, you can't own that, you know, you can't own it. It's something to be, to, something to be lived. So get naked and laugh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they do it in France, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm looking at this beautiful looking French background i don't know i see getting glimpses of uh, out your window and this old stone and i'm thinking why am i not doing this interview in person with you in france with some wine like some delicious wine and baguettes and things i don't know i'm up here in norway you're down there i would like to do that so maybe there'll be a follow-up <laughs> <laughs> Let's for sure work on that. It'd be great. I really appreciate your time and everything you shared today. And the book, again, Jumping the Picket Fence. And if you go to LydiaDean.com, it's L-Y-D-I-A-D-E-A-N.com. And on your website there, is that where people can sort of get to all your different projects and things? Is that the best... Yep, you can. The books on Amazon. Um, if you want to travel, uh, we 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 offer several trips a year. That's gophilanthropictravel.com. If you're interested in in plugging into global issues and understanding how to to get help where it needs to 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 be and to partner with people doing very courageous and inspiring things, that's gophilanthropic.org. But yeah, all of that can be found from from the website, which is a great you know source for any of those avenues awesome well you're doing amazing work both you, you guys too. i know john's somewhere there i'm sure but um He's having wine with my friends oh lucky dog you're up here on this interview you got to get out there and enjoy the enjoy the sunset thank you so much i really appreciate your time and everything you shared today and yeah i really highly recommend the book i'm gonna probably finish it tonight i'm, I'm at the tail end here now you know why i couldn't finish it. i got these two small kids running around I, I tried my best i was feeding my son a bottle like literally reading on my kindle while i was feeding my son a bottle today as so i've been kind of carrying it around with me everywhere thank you so much and i uh, hope we can stay in touch and thanks for your time would love that it was such a pleasure take care you too There you have it. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lydia. I had an absolute blast chatting with her. I got to get down to the south of France. I just keep thinking about the countryside there and good wine and, oh, I can't get it out of my head. And I'm um, also incredibly inspired by her work and certainly coming out of that conversation, thinking bigger, trying to think bigger and look at some of the things that I can do personally with my travel experiences and how I can maybe take my own unique personal experiences and give back in some way, some additional way. I don't know what that means, but this is what I love about having conversations like this because it gets you thinking in a different way. At least it does for me. And Maybe you feel the same way. I don't know. I don't know how you feel unless you check in. You got to hit me up on email, jason at zero to travel.com. Just let me know who you are. Tell me what you're up to. Share your story. Just say hi. I love to hear from people out there listening. I definitely consider this a two-way conversation. And I would love to hear from you. I read all the emails I get. And I got an email the other day from Bob. I want to give Bob a huge shout out here. He says, Jason, just wanted to tell you that I'm hooked on the podcast. I've been catching up on them in the last year. I listened to all yours. Nice job. He goes on to say... 
Anything travel I am in for. I'm 75 years old and in good shape. My travels have been extensive since taking an early retirement at age 50. I have four trips of 30 days, each to Russia, Ukraine with US aid as a volunteer, which was sensational. Taught English in Spain with my girlfriend for four months, where I met an American guy who has a wife not wishing to travel so much. He and I have driven to Costa Rica, visited Argentina, Uruguay, and 24-hour bus to Santiago, as well as La Paz, uh, Mexico, Portugal, Spain, Andorra, France, and Italy. My granddaughter and I have tried, or excuse me, have done Ireland, London, and Paris, and then with my daughter to Holland, Germany, and Austria. I am always ready. In fact, have a trip with my girlfriend this late fall to Switzerland, Italy, Croatia, Montenegro, and Greek islands. Just the beginning and always thinking of the next one. He goes on to say, would you like to consider having an older person or two on one of the podcasts? You might be surprised that we listen to. Keep up the good work. Thanks, Bob. I so appreciate that. And hey, if you're listening, Bob, maybe I got to have you on the podcast, man. Sounds like you've had quite a lot of different experiences. So if you'd like to hear from Bob, you let me know. And Bob, you should reach out. I just want to tell you, uh, thanks for taking the time to listen. And you're right. You need to get some uh, some older folks on the pod. I would love to do that. And uh, congratulations on all the wonderful travels you've had throughout your life. Sounds incredible. And um, also just wanted to say thanks for listening to all my podcasts because I have a lot of them. That's pretty insane. So I appreciate that. And also wanted to say great usage of the word sensational. That's not a word I use very often, but I got I to gotta bring it back in. You ever just see a word, like you read it in a book or in an email or something, and you're like, you know what? That's a cool word. I got to start working that into my repertoire a little bit more. So anyway, uh, I felt like this was a sensational email. Uh, you, my friend listening, are a sensational person. <laughs> you are. I honor you for being here. I'm privileged and humbled that you spend time listening to this show. Of all the things out there, you spend time here with the Zero to Travel podcast and with me and our guests and all the stuff we have going on in this lovely little corner of podcast world. And I so appreciate that you're a part of it. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up over at ZeroToTravel.com, you can sign up there anytime. You can get that new exclusive audio file. I just made the three best ways to save money for travel, plus get all of our communities and letters. That's totally free. And... Also, don't forget to check out Tortuga Backpacks. I want to give them one more thanks for supporting today's show. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. That'll take you to a page with all of the travel gear I recommend from Tortuga. And you get a promo code for being a part of this community. Just enter the word travel when you check out. You're going to get 10% off. Shh, please don't share that anywhere. We're not supposed to share that anywhere but this podcast, which is why you can't find that promo code anywhere else. It's just for you. So get 10% off the best travel gear out there. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. And again, I want to say thanks. If you do pick anything up, you'll also be supporting this show because I'm an affiliate for them because I love their stuff. And they've been a longtime sponsor of this podcast. So thanks again to them. Now, I want to leave you with a little quote. And since we've talked about the idea of thinking big, thinking bigger, I'm going to share a couple quotes from a book called The Magic of Thinking Big by David J. Schwartz. First one, believe it can be done. When you believe something can be done, really believe your mind will find the ways to do it. Believing a solution paves the way to the solution. And the second quote I'll leave you with, the mind is what the mind is fed. I hope you enjoyed your little travel meal today here on the podcast, your little mind meal. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks again for your time. And I really will hope to see you next time. Thank you again so much. Have a wonderful day. Cheers. Cheers.
This podcast has been brought to you by zerototravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.